0: Amen. Thank you, Rachel. What did they know and when did they know it? That's the question that was asked perhaps then. It is the question that we bear asking ourselves now. Just what do you know and when did you know it? Robert and Catherine Knuth are here this evening and we have friends in common, Dave and Bonnie Grigg. Dave Gregg's story is that he came to realize it after he had gotten on an elevator at UNC Chapel Hill. And at some point after those elevator doors closed and before they opened on the floor of his destination, he had come to the realization that Jesus Christ was Lord and had received him into his heart. And he's often wondered just exactly what floor was it. What do you know? And When? Did you come to know it? Tonight we gather here on this second annual Christmas Eve celebration, being ravaged by COVID, to celebrate the birth that continues to impact the world like no other. As C. S. Lewis said, "Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world." Corey Tin Boone said, "Who can add to Christmas?" The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son. The only requirement is to believe in him. The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. Do you know? What child is this? Said the unbelieving historian H.G. Wells. I am an historian, he said. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Why do we gather here this evening? Because the most significant event that the world will ever experience took place on a night. We don't know when exactly. It likely wasn't the 25th of December. That doesn't matter. What we celebrate here is that God became one of us in order to redeem us, in order that we might be with him. You see, the celebration of Christmas is God with us in order that we might be with him. Do you know? Others have testified. George Whitfield said simply, Jesus was God and man in one person, that God and man might be happy together again. Augustine. Or St. Augustine for those who are north of Orlando. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He the word without whom all human eloquence is mute. What do you know? It matters. Because as we speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, we speak of the indescribable gift, the unspeakable gift. Christmas packages have been wrapped by many, wrapped or placed in bags or sent in the mail or ordered, however it is that we've chosen to transact. And paper will be torn, bags will be opened, boxes will have their exterior removed in order to reveal the content. But on that night so long ago, when God the Son, having been brought forth into the world, was placed in a feeding trough, there for all the world to see lay God who had become man. And yet who saw? We have heard the events read to us concerning the birth of the Christ We know that Mary came to know much when the angel revealed the truth to her. We know that Joseph also, in a dream, as he heard the angel, had truth revealed to him. We also know that the shepherds, who were with their flocks, tending them by night, heard the good news proclaimed to them by the angel. We know that those mysterious ones that we variously call wise men or magi, who had come from some place in the east, from where exactly we do not know, And how they knew what they knew still is a mystery to us, but they acted on what they knew and they undertook the journey and they came to the place where the child was in order to worship him. We could talk about those who knew and acted on that which had been revealed to them. But think about those who missed it. Think about those who were living and all of this glorious event transpired right under their noses. We think of Caesar Augustus, who was mentioned merely as a secondary character in the Christmas story, and yet at the time he was deemed to be the most powerful, significant person on the face of the earth, the ruler of the whole Roman Empire and yet he's just a minor instrument in the hands of God, issuing a decree so that people would go places and do a certain thing in order that Joseph might go to Bethlehem and take Mary with him, that Jesus would be born there. In fulfillment of prophecy proclaimed centuries before the event transpired, Caesar Augustus was somewhere, we presume, in Rome at the time that Jesus was born. I've often wondered what he was doing that day. But you know what? Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. The most powerful, significant person on the face of the earth at the time was doing something that day, and nobody knows what it was because it doesn't matter. And yet, in this backwash of the town called Bethlehem, an insignificant place just south of Jerusalem, the most monumental event that historians are still spinning in their minds about, Jesus was brought forth from a virgin and laid in a manger. You ever fed horses or cattle or sheep? I've done it more times than I can count. I can remember hanging into a 50 gallon steel drum hanging by my belt buckle to dip oats out of it so that I could feed Papa's horses. I've thrown hay down from the loft through the trap door that we had for those animals. I thought about the horses. I thought about the loft. I thought about the hay. I thought about the trap door that my grandfather had built and thought that was a really neat thing. We used it more for climbing in and out of as kids as we were pretending to play war than we did to feed the animals. But I never gave any thought, really, to the feeding trough, place where the food went. It's an insignificant location. And yet, that's where Jesus lay. That insignificant vessel, that manger, that feeding trough, holding the Son of the Living God. And that gives me hope on this night because I realize the one who would condescend from heaven's glory where all of the angelic hosts worshipped him, God the Son who had existed throughout all eternity. As we had read during our call to worship by a very lovely reader who said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God meaning that he didn't come into existence at the beginning, meaning that at the beginning he already existed. And so having left that heavenly estate to be laid in such a lowly place, he demonstrates God's glorious purpose so that he might also inhabit the lives of otherwise insignificant people. I've realized at this point in my life that I'm never going to be a Caesar Augustus. Or a president of the united states who would want that job anymore i'm never going to be a billy graham or a dr d james kennedy or fill in the blank i'm just not you know i'm, I'm getting the place now i'm starting to forget things i did remember to come tonight that's good and yet the significance is not in who we are as we are defined by the world The significance tonight is that God inhabits the lives of those who are humble and who have yielded to him and who in repentance and faith have received him. He came to live here, be lain in a manger. That means he will also abide within the lowliest of us. It is good news in that this indescribable gift has come to live among us it was the 25th of december we know that because i think all of us most of us here lived through it 25th of december 1991 how did you celebrate christmas that year do you remember that that's the evening that mikhail gorbachev appeared on soviet television to resign his office he was leader of a country that no longer existed The Union of Soviet Socialist Republics had literally ceased to exist because one by one, the countries that made up that Soviet bloc had removed themselves from it. And on the 25th of December, the Soviet flag was hauled down from the Kremlin and the Russian flag was raised. The Soviet Union had met with its demise. It was 69 years old. 69 years before. On the 30th of December was when Vladimir Lenin, together with the puppet leaders of other nations, had come together and formed that Soviet bloc, that USSR. And it seemed that communism was a world force to deal with. And yet, it ran its course. In that place where secularism was God, where God was denied, where churches were closed, Christians were persecuted, arrested... killed slowly one by one one leader after another passed from the scene until finally the final leader sounded the death knell and yet jesus still reigns sad in our own time we seem not to have learned the lessons of history and we seem bent and determined to somehow believe that just because it failed in one era marxism can succeed in ours But I'll tell you this, long after the proponents of the modern-day secularist view have passed from the scene, Jesus will continue to reign, and those who have yielded their lives and trusted in him will also continue to reign. James Montgomery Boyce tells the story about a pastor many years ago in Europe who, pastoring a German congregation found himself being called away for an emergency and could not be there on a Sunday. Now, this was back in the day when everyone who matriculated through a college or university in Europe received theological training. Whether you were a scientist or a historian or a linguist, whatever you might be, you had pretty much the same type of education that a minister would have. And so this particular pastor decided that he would call on one of the intellectuals who lived in the area who was serving as a tutor, a tutor in the house of nobility. He. Uh, he called on the man and asked him if he would deliver that Sunday sermon. This man was not a Christian, even though he had been trained in theology. And so he asked the pastor, how can I preach what I do not believe? What? The pastor asked in astonishment you believe in god don't you yes replied the tutor i believe in god and do you not believe that we should love him asked the pastor yes said the tutor again i believe that we should now neither our pastor john anderson nor i would ever proceed this way i can tell you that but he did and having called on this man the pastor replied I will give you a text to preach. It is in the words of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Finally, the tutor agreed to the text. So the pastor went on to his appointment. The tutor sat down to study and write out an outline for the message. He was, again, a skeptic, a rationalist. And yet, Dr. Boyce says, he wrote out his outline. He very rationally wrote out his first point and gave a reason for it. The first point was, we must love God. That's good, isn't it? Second, he wrote, we must love him with all our powers. Indeed, nothing less could satisfy him. Third, he wrote, do we thus love him? His conscience was then forced to write down, no, we do not. Later, this man wrote about his experience. He said, Without any previously formed plan, I was brought to add to my notes, we need a Savior. Here, light broke in upon his darkened soul, and he said, I understood that I had not loved God, that I did need a Savior, that Jesus Christ was that Savior, and then I loved him, and I clung to him at once. On the morrow, I preached a sermon. And the third point was the chief the need of jesus and the necessity of trusting such as a savior he came to know it herod missed it herod who lived just up the road in jerusalem who found his city turned upside down by the wise men when they showed up how many of them there were Or where they had come from, we do not know, but they came asking for the one who had been born king of the Jews. And the king of the Jews, at least an under-king serving under Caesar Augustus, wanted to know where this child was because in his murderous heart, he wanted to kill him. The reason that he gave was, send word back to me and tell me where he is that I may go worship him. But in reality, there was no desire to worship him at all. He simply wanted to eradicate him. We remember Herod today because of that and also because he gave that notorious order to have all the children, aged two and younger, murdered in that vicinity. Imagine, right there in front of him. And yet, he did not heed. And then there were the religious leaders that Herod called and said, We've been given a question here. Where is the one to be born who's king of the Jews? Where is he to be born? They didn't even have to go back to their Google program, their computer. They knew. Bethlehem. For the prophet said it. And isn't it interesting? You would think we would read in the scriptures that at least one of them might say, hey, there might be something to this. We ought to go and see. And there is no record of that whatsoever. The wise men went on their way without being accompanied by anyone from the royal household, or from the religious leaders. They went there and they encountered the Christ and they worshipped him. The most famous and the most infamous, the most recognized, all missed it. And so I ask you here tonight, what do you know? And what have you done with what you know? god has given his indescribable gift in the person of the lord jesus christ and what a great and joyous privilege it is for us to gather on this night and acknowledge him to be the king of kings and lord of lords to acknowledge him to be the savior of sinners for it was the shepherds the lowliest in all of that civilization and its social structure the ones who were at the bottom of the totem pole if you will It was to them that the angel appeared and said, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those shepherds who had no hope or expectation of ever escaping their own circumstances or lives suddenly found themselves in the presence of God's radiant glory and the whole host of heaven declaring to them glory to God. There have been various translations offered up. We have sung Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the way it was translated ages ago. Probably more like along the lines of glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom God's favor rests. Or as I ran across a translation rendered by Wycliffe in one language whose identity I've long since lost Reads thus in English, God in heaven is just so good. So the people who live in this world, if God's heart is happy with them, then their fear is all gone now. Yes, we're living in the time of COVID. But we don't fear it. COVID has the ability to take our lives, but it can never separate us from the love of God. Cancer has the ability to take our lives, but it can't separate us from the love of God. The government can take away from us our wealth through taxation, but they can't separate us from the love of God. All of the ills and the adversaries. And yet, Christmas is a proclamation to us that God's word is true. Those who rejected Christ and opposed his arrival could in the end do absolutely nothing about it, and people cannot today either. All of the powers of all of the politicians and all the intelligentsia and everything else combined may oppose God's purposes, but they will never do so successfully. Jesus will come back on his own terms and he will judge the world according to his word, just like he said, and you can count on it. That's what Christmas proclaims to us. Because God... is good, and he is glorious, and he has given us his indescribable gift. And so I ask you, what do you know? When did you know it? What have you done with it? For this knowledge of Jesus requires a response from us. We can ignore it. We can passively pretend that it really, while it may bear some sort of temperamental value to us, I mean, after all, Christmas is all about all kinds of uh, memory. But does it mean to you as God intended it to mean? Have you come to the realization that Jesus is the Savior? For those of us who have, what a joyous day it is. Thirty years ago also, As Mikhail Gorbachev was resigning, I spent the last Christmas I would ever spend with my grandfather, who was then in a hospice unit. On Christmas Eve, as I made my way back to Asheville to spend the night with him in that place so that he would not be alone, a man who had meant so much to me in the course of my life. It was in the wee hours of that night, as I had been praying that the Lord would heal him, that I heard Papaw pray in an audible voice. Lord, take me home. Take me home, Lord. And as I listened to words that I really didn't want to hear, suddenly the light dawned upon my saddened heart. And I remembered that there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the cancer that took my papaw from me really only ushered him into that glorious inheritance that has been prepared for all of those who trust in Jesus. He knew, and I hope you do too. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice in knowing that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and we thank you, O God, that even here and now we may celebrate him and rejoice and give thanks. Bless, we pray, that we may by faith Respond to what we know and trust your dear Son. And Father, as we rejoice in him, may we anticipate doing that forever and always. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, Hark! The Herald Angels Sing. thank you for coming this evening and also want to mention to you if you brought a poinsettia and placed it up here would you please wait until after our worship service on sunday before you take it home i'm going to pronounce the benediction at our conclusion we're going to sing silent night the christmas hymn that my friend don reed and the statler brothers calls the amazing grace of christmas but in any event as we sing go forth with god's blessing. And so, indeed, may grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with and abide with you all, both now and forevermore.